Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. I'm Jessica. I'm Mikey. And we're, we're back. back. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> took a week off for mental health reasons. Um, anything happened in the news since we last... Uh, Can't think of anything. No, okay, me neither. Cool. Yeah, nothing. So I think the An, only an thing... actor from Twin Peaks season three died. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, was very sad. Thing? Clark Middleton? Your face does not portray confidence. Middleton that's doesn't the sound name. right, is it? But he's in season three. Yes, it okay. is Clark Middleton. Good I job, question Michael. that because Middleditch kept g- going through my head, and I know that wasn't correct. Yeah, not him. But yeah, anyway, oh, he's he, my height. yeah, he. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't think I saw. I think it was one of those where they, everybody announced that he had died really quickly. Um, uh, Complicate. Oh my god. Complications from West Nile virus. Oof. Huh. Fuck twenty. He's rheumatoid arthritis. But yeah, he was a great, great yeah. character actor. Um, he pops up late in season three for a few episodes. Um, he's great. Yeah. Another, just another member of the Twin Peaks community gone. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So let's jump into it. This was um, a bad episode, I would say. Really? I, I did not enjoy it. I, thought I think there's a lot of, like, this is right before it. Like, there's certainly bad stuff in it, but there's also, I think, some very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it was irredeemable. It was yeah, just not. There, I mean, yeah, we'll go through it. But, like, I, I'm, I'm also just, like, I'm enjoying everything a lot more this time. I think it's maybe it's just the space in between each episode. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really new for you to be watching it. Yeah, and it, and it's it's nice and like to be watching it with something of a purpose, like to to plan on talking about it to some extent. Like I've always watched it and just watched it, and mm-hmm. then a lot of it just washes over. Like, and every time I watch it, I find something new. This time around, sure. I'm. I've always liked Lucy, but I'm just loving Lucy's character. Mm-hmm. Every choice she makes seems to be on point, especially when she's, or like, even though she's in the middle of some terrible storylines, right. every choice that she makes seems reasonable and within her character to me. Mm-hmm. I think she does an incredible job, and I think it's a shame that she never got, like, top building. She was always in also starring, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. Uh, so we're going to kick it off with the uh, log lady intro. She says, the heart, it is a physical organ, we all know, but how much more, but how much more an emotional organ? This we also know. Love like blood flows from the heart. Are blood and love related? Does a heart pump blood as it pumps love? Is love the blood of the universe? Hmm. It's a question, Jessica. Answer it. <laughs> but how much more an emotional organ this we also know is... It's, it's taking some liberties with grammar. <laughs> I don't understand. Also, I mean, it's it's a sweet sentiment or an idea to think about of like, love oh, is blood. love is, you know, what binds everything or whatever. Also, what does that have to do with this episode? Unclear. Are, are they setting up how... Evelyn tells James she loves him, and <laughs> that that's supposed to have some yeah, significance. Yeah, this is not really no, a romantic it's... episode. I mean, 
uh, Do you think Norma kind of bats eyes at Ed again? Yeah, that's true. There's, you know, I guess. Or maybe Donna goes looking for James in this episode. That could be a love thing. There's, they talk about uh, love is what you know. You have to you have to approach the White Lodge with unbridled love, and they, the idea of the White Lodge comes back up again. Um, I mean, there's things, but there's no like giant love story in this episode that is of any importance. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess the Robin Lively stuff, the Lana Milford is everyone's infatuated, not love, but everyone's infatuated with, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, So it was written by uh, Scott Frost, who is Warren Frost's brother, we decided. Uh, Mark Frost's brother. Mark Frost. Warren Frost's son. Son, yes. Uh, and then it was directed by uh, Uli... Uli Edel. Oh, okay. I'm glad you had that locked and loaded. Uli Edel, who's normally a German filmmaker. Uh-huh. He's done some stuff in the States. Uh, most notably, the extremely popular and very well-received Body of Evidence. Oh! The, uh, the Madonna <laughs> skin flick that everybody knows and loves. We He's responsible for that. that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was that the one where Cindy Crawford and Billy Wilder been fuck on a plane train? Nope, that's fair game. Oh, what's this? Body of Evidence is the Madonna skin flip. When she, Willem Dafoe and when Chet. she fucks a guy to death. Maybe. Or does she? Dun dun dun! <laughs> Movie spoilers for those who haven't seen Body of Evidence yet Isn't from that the premise? 1993. Is that she fucked a guy to death? Yeah, but it's did she? Mm. It's a court case. Yeah. It's a courtroom drama, Jessica, about whether or not she murdered a guy by fucking him to death. It's oh, it's it's an incredibly deep story. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's, to you. Yeah, it's really true to my heart. Wow, you're crying, Michael. I wasn't expecting that from you. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so obviously Uli Edel is has a very strong place in my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Due to my love and appreciation of the great body of evidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did that win the Oscar that year, or...? It's pronounced Razzie. <laughs> and yes, it did. <laughs> okay, so we start the episode where uh, we jump in right where the last episode ended um, with a man who looks remarkably like Dale Cooper, but nobody seems to notice that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, even like the way he's positioned too with his head tilted back, it's like, yeah, like emphasize the chin. <laughs> emphasize the chin. <laughs> Yeah, like, like there's the part where, where like Cooper's leaned over and he's pulling the the, the piece out, and their their faces are right next to each other. And I was like, it feels like they're. It almost felt like they were setting up like, oh, this is a weird duplicate. Yeah, doppelgangers. Oh, no. Oh, oh, nope. No. Nope. Oh no, no. 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 Unrelated. Got it. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Good to know. Um, they. I think they take tape off his mouth, mm-hmm. and there's a green felt circle they pull it out and it's a chess piece mm-hmm. first it's yeah it's a pawn very upsetting looking before you realize what it is yeah i mean it's a cool yeah creepy element there's the first few scenes of this episode are genuinely freaky yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. some there's some like the the shelly scene that's upcoming mm-hmm. we'll talk about that but genuinely scary yeah um so Cooper predicts that a stab wound would be found in the body. He said it would be what directly under the sternum. Yeah, with up, up upward to, to puncture the aorta. Yeah. Puncture yeah. the aorta. Um, Hawk enters. He says that he found a set of footprints, maybe and, two in and, a way. And Truman saying, "So you've seen this before." 
and Cooper yes. acknowledges that yes, I I I know exactly what's happening here. This is all playing directly to me. Right. Um, Hawk, Hawk announces that he found one set of footprints leading both to and from the sheriff's. Turns out it was Jesus carrying station. the whole time. That wasn't that good. No, of a joke. not good. They cut right. that out. Yeah. <laughs> How much does I think, Jesus weigh? Is that why half of the? I don't know. There was just a one footprints joke, and I pounced on it before I had time to think about it. <laughs> Uh, Cooper explains his undoubting belief that Wyndham Earl is responsible for the crime. Um, that's the end of that scene, I guess. Uh, we- yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. They set up the whole... They've got Lucy looking for chess moves in the paper. Mm-hmm. There's a dead man with a pawn in his mouth yeah. pointing at a chess piece yeah. board. And then, and then they start talking about, like, looking for fingerprints. Which... Which just makes sense if they. It think doesn't it's make any. Yeah, and they're or like, it's, you, you're not gonna find it. But like, he's taking credit for it. Yeah. He wants you to know that this is Windermere. Like, there's. I mean, I guess yeah, you'll you'll need evidence to some degree. But he's like, you're not gonna find fingerprints. Like, you you don't need them. Yeah. You've got basically a confession. Right. Right. And so, unless unless it's to. Uh, he's taking credit for somebody else or something, sure, but he's copycat. taking credit for this. Right. <laughs> you don't need fingerprints. You don't need fibers. You don't need <laughs> the entire CSI crew in there, like, looking for it. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, back at the Great Northern, uh, Audrey and Bobby are talking about um, Audrey's father, Benjamin Horn. Slipped. My name slipped for a sec. Um, concerning Horn's current mental state. Which is, is perfect. Honestly, the, you mentioned while you were watching it, the the Ben Horn subplot, I like a lot, and I think it is because it incorporates a lot of my favorite characters, mm-hmm. and does so in, like, the bringing Bobby in is, like, a bit of a stretch, but mm-hmm. I think they justify it well enough, but it makes sense why Jacoby's there, and it makes and, sense. And his, I'm, like, smart-assy teen attitude towards it yeah. makes his character entertaining to be there. Right. I, th- like... It's it, it's this is one of those that oddly seems like a dumb idea on paper, uh-huh. and then it actually ends up not being as bad as it could be. Yeah. And when you sandwich this scene among, you know, in between other good scenes, mm-hmm. you realize its quirkiness and it doesn't se- seem as bad. Right. The whole storyline doesn't seem as bad when it's juxtaposed against other engaging scenes. Yeah. It's. It's when you end up with this sandwich between like two Evelyn Marsh scenes and you're right. like, I don't care about any of this and it right. just makes it all so bad. Mm-hmm. But this is, every time I've gone through this show the last few times, I've learned to like the Ben Ben Civil War stuff more and more well, each time. it's fun performances. It's sort of a mishmash of characters we didn't get to see mm-hmm. together. It's very silly mm-hmm. and like weirdly Dark. Like, it's very a la Twin Peaks, right? It's very yeah. dark yeah. because it's about, like, they're rooting for the Confederate Army to mm-hmm. win the Civil War. And the way they're, like, waving their little, yeah. like, Confederate flags, it's... It's it's odd. I feel it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And it's supposed to. Yeah. but And it's still pretty funny at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a good... Be- because of his seriousness and the way they're all like, all right, support him. Yeah. You know? I guess we're pro-Confederacy. Yeah. Twist I didn't see coming. And it brings... Um, uh, Jacoby, J- and, yeah. well, uh, Russ Tamlin, Russ Tamlin, and, and, and uh, 
Richard Beamer together Richard again. Richard Beamer together. For the first time since West, West Side, Side Story. Story. Although, what they I'm realizing here. not share a frame, so in this, if they were Yeah, in this scene, I don't remember if they're in another scene again in the next episode. But in this sequence, they, they share a scene, never share a frame. And I'm curious if they were ever there together on set. I really felt sure that they did. They never shared the screen together until, until season three. I feel like that was a whole thing. But I do they share the screen in season three? Strong emoji. I don't know. I don't. That's. I, I feel like I remember like it took fifty years or whatever from West Side Story to get these two back huh. on. I, I I could be wrong and like. Also I mean, West Side Story is what sixty. One. I think. Is it that early? Okay. I think so. I mean. It was 30 years West from side. Twin Peaks to this episode. 61. Good job, Jessica. Yeah, so that's 30 years from that to this. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And then another 30 years, it would have been 60 years for yeah. season three if they share. I don't recall. I'm trying to. Because well, most of Jacoby's stuff in season three is like alone By in himself. a room. Yeah. Um, okay. So we go to the Johnson household. So remember at the end of the last episode, Leo very creepily regained Leo's awake yeah. consciousness. Um, and he has cake on his face. Anyway, uh, it's spooky. Not, not, not in like an embarrassing way? No, like, in a spooky uh, way. Okay. Spooky. Spooky. Oh. Spooky frosting. <laughs> um, Shelly calls for Leo as the lights in their home pulsate. She tries to escape from him, but cannot open the front door. She makes a dash for the back door, but she is hit by Leo's wheelchair. I That's mean, a, like, there's, it's a yeah. great creepy scene. The way he's like, you can tell he's holding the thing and it, he makes a push when she runs through the door yeah. frame. She has to trip over it. Also, Matt Amick does like some pretty cool stunts. Like, it's not if like. she does, I mean, there's I mean, there's one that it's very obviously her really? like tumbling onto the ground. And I was like, cool. She yeah. fell pretty good. Like a real stunt lady. There's yeah, I mean, there's great. It's genuinely the like for someone who's been in a vegetative state for weeks. Yeah, all of a sudden, like, has the strength to like lift Bobby up against a wall by his neck. Don't well, know if I buy any of that. What they didn't show you is that when everyone goes to bed, he's just oh, he's, he's getting jacked. <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Um, unable to open the door, she finds a kitchen knife. She really struggles with the doors in this house, huh? Well, they're all like those deadbolts that need a key, and there's no key in it. Oh, like you need a key from both sides? Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Basically, any door that has a window has those so that you can't oh, punch in the punch window it, and just yeah. unlock it. Um, so she finds a knife. She cuts a hole in the home's unfinished wall. So it's... Yeah, she strategically slices the plastic yeah. so that it, like, waves all creepy. Mm-hmm. It, so it's, like, between the, the um, studs. Yeah. Because that wall is just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she cuts a hole. She calls for help. She th- uh, But then Leo throws her on the floor. Did she not make an, an effort to leave? She just called for help? Or did he, like, pull her out? From she the was hole the... slicing the plastic, but then couldn't get, oh, okay. rip it out through it. And, and then he, and so she's yelling while she's doing gotcha, that. Gotcha, and then gotcha. he kind of grabs her hand yeah. from behind and throws her against the fridge. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so she tries to do the thing. Leo throws her to the floor. Bobby soon arrives. No, you, see, you see Bobby, you cut away to Bobby outside, kind of mm-hmm. walking up nonchalantly, doesn't realize anything's happening. And mm-hmm. he's kind of pounding on the front door trying to get in. Uh, Bobby arrives as Leo approaches Shelly with an axe. Um, 
I, <laughs> I did like this. So Shelly's on the ground or below Leo in some mm-hmm. way. And Leo has an axe, mm-hmm. as one does in their house. And stands up, like, posed to chop her. And he's like, goodbye, wife of mine, or something like that. That was, like, some real comic book supervillain bullshit. <laughs> goodbye, wife. <laughs> um, so as he's about to swing, of course, Bobby... <laughs> Whatever that... We could use that as a title. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a couple of good one-liners in this. Also, there... They like clearly Scott was like, I want to write my dad some lines, and he's got some monologues, mm-hmm. <laughs> like which sure I think does. is kind of fun. Dad, do you love me now? <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you proud of me too? I know, I know Mark Frost is responsible for this whole show, but can you like me too? Can you like me too? I'll write you a monologue, Mark Frost. Mark never did that. <laughs> Dad, did you hear that zinger? Goodbye, wife of mine. I fucking nailed it. Okay, so um, just as Leo prepares to kill Shelly, Bobby tries to disarm Leo, but is pinned to the wall with, like, the axe handle, right? Yeah. like It's very scary. And he's got him, like, lifted up. Yeah. And it's... You just... He was doing uh, bench presses. You just... Anybody who's... Like, even if you were, like, not in a vegetative state, (laughs) if you had just sit down and lay down all the time for weeks uh-huh. you would have you wouldn't be you just wouldn't have the strength for that mm-hmm. but okay. it also makes it much scary. scarier yeah and it is a genuinely scary scene mm-hmm. all of the the stuff and him and Chef, the silhouette where he's standing there with the sock and the yeah. with the soap in the sock yeah. again is really really scary but then he just like chucks the sock yeah. on the floor and is like meh <laughs> Got the scare I wanted. I know. I know. Scare landed. Yeah, it was. It was really weird. I didn't understand why he didn't attempt to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, Shelly finds a kitchen knife again. She stabs Leo, who escapes. He just runs off like a injured animal. <laughs> like dear the guy. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like I've been stabbed in the leg. I should probably run through the jungle for a while, or yeah, the forest for a jungle. while. The jungle of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the run through the forest for a while, which is what he does, and it's, like, not a thing. Do you think somebody spotted him, and that's where the Legend of Sasquatch came from? He was, like, lumbering through. I think, well, well let's take a, a vote at the end of this episode. Uh-huh. Whose joke was better, my footprints joke or Jessica Sasquatch joke? And I want to hear comments and feedback. Let us know whose joke was better, because they're both pretty bad. <laughs> Good. It's very funny. I tell people all the time. Okay, we're back to the scene. Where are we? I guess we're back in Leo the... just ran off into the woods. No, no, no I'm sorry. The, I meant physically. Into the jungle. The... <laughs> I meant physically. Where's the next... Just ran off into the jungle to fight the Viet Cong. <laughs> oh, boy. Um... So I guess we're back where they found the body that's definitely not related to Dale Cooper. Because uh, Harry confirms to Cooper mm. that his his mutual belief is that Earl was responsible for the murder. Um, and offers to let Cooper investigate the case as he was considered, a, as he's still considered a deputy. I do really like how 
how Cooper wears his badge on his little flannel now. Like we've <laughs> yeah. entered, we went into the, like the flannel phase oh, yeah. of Cooper, and now we're flannel and badge. Yeah, it's slowly working our way back up to the <laughs> yeah. the full suit. I I like the delivery of where he talks, where he says to him like, "If you want this case, it's mm-hmm. yours." Yeah. And his response isn't like, "I'd love it. I yeah. I would be I would be grateful. I'd be honored." It's just, "I want it." <laughs> if you want this case, it's yours. I want it. Okay, I'm going to drop that in. I love it. It's just a great little exchange. Here. The Bureau and the DEA cleared me of all criminal charges. Suspension still stands. I'm waiting to hear from Gordon. In the meantime, you're still my deputy. Mm -hmm. If you want this case, it's yours. Harry, I want it. Hawk announces that Hank Jenny, <laughs> Hank Jenny, we saw a lot of pretty major storylines come to a rapid close in this episode. They, this was clearly an episode of let's let's regroup. Mm. They ended some shit storylines. It is. It's it's. it's they ended some shit storylines or some loose end storylines, and we're like, "What do we want the show to be out from? Be about from here on out?" And, and it was the introduction of Window Merle, which we're going to see in a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's the whole idea. I mean, not the like the the physical introduction of sure. Window Merle, really, um, but like the whole chess game and like, okay, boom, we're going to focus on this chess game thing. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. That's going to be front and center of the show from right. here on out. Um, they're just setting up. Okay, now they're setting up the Andrew Packard and Thomas Eckert. Right. That whole storyline, that's going to be our subplot. Fuck little Nikki. No one cares about Hank. Yeah. Let's just fucking end those. Yeah. And that's what they were trying to do. And then starting with the next episode, people didn't take the hint. And then just started running off with all sorts of random stupid shit anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they tried to steer everything back in mm-hmm. and then people are like but i don't want to do that <laughs> like, and it was and it, so we it. yeah so we still get um I you know, don't evelyn and james and we start like they still start introducing other subplots with like the miss twin peaks pageant Oy, boy, and 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 even in this episode they introduce like more of the like no one cares about lana who's lana exactly but no, seriously, who's Lana? The 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 wife, the Dougie Milford's wife. Oh God! Oh, I hated that. I hate. It's so bad. It's genuinely bad and not funny or interesting yeah. or moving the plot along. And and doesn't make any sense. Like, is she a witch? Is she, like it, like this transfix thing just doesn't. It's so. It's very weird. It's just uh, yeah. Um. Okay. So back to it. Uh, Hawk announces that Hank Jennings was not at the bye due to being in the hospital, came, claiming to have been hit by a bus, um, which we know is Nadine. Nadine. What did he call it? A redhead, redheaded bus named Nadine. Something like that. Yeah. Um, he's been charged with several parole violations. Um, he also informs them that Leo came to and attacked Shelly, which they seem to be pretty chill about that particular. It was literally an afterthought. It was an, oh, yeah, and this happened. And so this guy who's a domestic abuser who right. attacked his wife and just ran off into the woods right. is out and about. Uh-huh. But don't worry, we got Hank. 
we got the real bad guy. Um, <laughs> he puts dominoes in his mouth in an upsetting way. We just couldn't take it anymore. Okay. Um, and so uh, back to the station. Andy tells Lucy that they need to talk about Nikki, little Nikki, due to his. And Dick's believe that he murdered his own parents, which... Mikey called to my attention today that every episode I ask why they think he killed his parents. And apparently he's had to tell me every episode. And I still don't remember. But what... Here's, here's, just because his parents died? Here's why this scene is great, though. Because he's just been surrounded by tragedy. Oh, okay. And he's the, the one through line in all of it. Gotcha. So they start blowing things out of proportion. And so they tell It's all dumb. Lucy, and he had the thought bubble of little Nikki as a devil. So duh. Well, and we have the the moment of Lucy being the unexpected voice of reason. That's this that's what thing. this was this that's why I wrote down in this uh I really love Lucy this time through. Yeah. Because it was oh all of this dick and Andy shit is building to he finally tells Lucy and Lucy's like are you, you fucking, fucking idiot? What, what the fuck is wrong about? with you? Neither of you are fit to be parents. <laughs> like, it's so... And, like, in her sweet little nice Lucy way, she yeah. does this. But it's also like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? This is a goddamn child. Yeah. You think he murdered his parents when he was six years old? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? And, and it's that. delivered in such a, like, great way. And he's just like, like oh. he's nine. <laughs> and he's like, well, we, we, thought you, we believe he was six when he committed the murders. Which is a very funny line, mm-hmm. to be fair. Dick and I have been doing some thinking and some looking. And we think he's a... He's a... What? We think he murdered his parents. He's nine years old. I know. We think he was six at the time of the crime. I met little Nikki. I've talked to little Nikki. If you two think for one second that I'll believe that a defenseless little orphan is capable of murder, the both of you aren't fit to be fathers to a chimp. Ow! But but yes, like it's really like an adult Absurd. has just stepped into the room. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So uh, Lucy's upset. She says, "And neither he nor Dick are capable fathers." Thank you, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, James. Oh, okay. Back to James and Evelyn. Here we go. James is introduced to have Evelyn's husband, Jeffrey Marsh. Evelyn offers to in let- a sweet Nike tracksuit. Oh my god, that's important to note. Evelyn- the type of tracksuit that, like, when you walk around, it goes <laughs> everywhere. You scared the dog. <laughs> well, sorry. It's like Heaven's Gate tracksuits. <laughs> basically. Basically. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's a timely reference, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like a 2020 Heaven's Gate joke to really... Yeah. Man, we got rescue in our week off, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... James Evelyn offers to let James continue to stay, and Jeffrey takes his car for a... Fatal drive. Okay, TwinPeaks.Pandem.com. A fatal well, drive. And this this whole scene, this whole exchange of like, seems like we both love the same thing. Baruch. Cars. It's all so like on the nose. And then 
Uh, I'll take her out for a joyride and see how we like it. Maybe we'll keep you around. <laughs> you know what it rem- Sorry, I just kicked you. You know what it reminds me of? <laughs> you never read the Hunger Game books. I no. almost said that as a question. I'm saying as a fact, you never read the Hunger Game books. Um, so the first two I really like. The third one's okay, but it's clearly very, 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 very rushed. Uh, okay. And there's this one scene where a, <laughs> a cat is chasing a flashlight, like a flashlight beam. And the narrator, Katniss, is like, oh, PETA is the flashlight beam. And when it's like, when it's like this, it's this. It is, I'm the cat. And, the, and like literally just like lays out the metaphor and it's like, okay, well, we have a thing called show, don't tell mm-hmm. in writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not explaining the metaphor to And the it's reader. even easier to do on screen. Yeah, exactly. So guess we both love the same human woman. <laughs> Not car. Wink. And then so they, but they do this whole thing. Yeah. And they set up that he's gonna. Oh, see how she runs after you fix this car, and takes the car out for a drive. It's just winking the whole time. Basically, and then she watches him pull away, and it's like he's literally at the end of the driveway, and then it's just the worst car crash sound effect that you've ever heard. Like I didn't I Like didn't it looks like it was a, like you buy sound. like a CD or like an 8 track of like here's a 100 sound effects. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, "Oh, play the <laughs> play the car track car car crash one." And it was like Well, and the good thing is you can tell by their faces what happened. JK, they both have blank ass faces. Well, it's faces. it's all just a close up on her at that moment. Oh, it's just But her? she's just dead faced. <laughs> just dead behind so the eyes. It's is she daydreaming this? I thought she was Daydreaming. Is she? I she was yeah. Is this fantasizing, it. or is did he actually get into a car wreck? And did he actually get into a car wreck on the driveway? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like how fast could he have been going on that so driveway? So bizarre. It's and it's like if he had been in it, like. And granted, they reveal later that like she manipulated the car so that he would get into an accident. But like, you gotta let it get up to speed, my dude. What? What? Could she have done to the car that would have resulted in him getting into an accident immediately? Uh, a bomb? <laughs> but then there's no... That squeal part. Well, if he sees it, he oh, hears the clock ticking. So, like, and there's, there's, like, if he had pulled... Like, if he was pulling out of the driveway when someone was coming by really quickly, that's an accident that's fairly common. Mm-hmm. But that has nothing to do with the car not working. Yeah, it's not the car being... I mean, I guess the brakes, but he—it's he, not like he was Compromise. getting like if the brake line was cut or something. But it's—he didn't get up to speed. Yep. It's, but the, like, but you're revealed now that the whole plan was the quote-unquote brother Malcolm mm-hmm. and Evelyn were plotting to kill the husband and pin it on somebody right. else, and so they found <laughs> like. <laughs> To be fair, okay? they found the best possible person for this. Let's find the dumbest goddamn human in the world who also knows how to fix cars. And yeah, he's the perfect patsy. Like you couldn't have found a better person for this terrible plan yeah. than James Hurley. Um, but that said, they did this to pin it on him. But then is so does the husband actually beat her? Or was that all a part of the setup to make him? Well, does she she claims she loves brother him? Brother is not her brother, right? So I am going to. I assume then 
that everything they've said is a lie. Yeah. But I. But they still want to kill the husband. To kill the husband. Right. Like, if you just compromise the. I've never put this much thought into this entire storyline in my life. Yeah, I thought we were gonna really run through this scene. Um. Yeah, I get. It just seems like there are easier ways to off your husband without getting caught than finding an idiot in a drive-in or in a, in a bar, a roadside diner, saying, "Hey, Wally's hideout." Wally's hideout. Thank you. Um, hey, conveniently do, named a hideout. <laughs> do you happen to know how to fix vintage cars? I do. And. Are you a total idiot? <laughs> and are you on the run for no specific reason? <laughs> yeah, is nobody looking? Is is there nobody looking for you? Because perfect. Is he a straight person so I can seduce you? Yeah. Oh, they had to be planning this thing for years before the right person showed up. Well, and then and then it leads you to believe if they are planning him for a long time and they're just waiting for that right yeah. drifter to to come through the bar and find him. And cool, we only saw the one where she did find him. Great. But then why is she back at that same bar, like, looking for somebody again when Donna's there? She clearly just hangs out at that bar all day. It isn't that she's just trying to find the guy. Yeah. It's it's all... Like, cyanide would be so much cleaner it's and easier all for her. so forced and so elaborate and so unnecessary. And they bring in... Because we don't care about any of these people. No, not at all. And, and I think further they do nothing to make us care about these mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. like it's worse than that's not true oh god there's this scene where you're looking at james's back and he leans against the post and then he slides down the post oh, and fuck. puts his hands on his hair to show that he's he uh, is like you like you said angst. he's upset <laughs> sad Yeah, I did run through all the emotions. I don't know what he is, but he is. He is. He's got it though. Whatever the thing is, he's he's doing it. Upset about it, or or excited, or (laughs) we don't know. But he, his fingers are certainly in his hair. I noticed that (laughs) his fingers were definitely in his hair. That was (laughs) some high school theater bullshit. It was so. Uh, Bad. Like, I really want, like, an Evanescence song to be played over the back of that. <laughs> Break me up! Break me up and say... Break me up! That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, boy. You can do that. You're, I can do that. I'm, I know how to edit audio now-ish. Okay. <laughs> the fuck am I? I haven't even looked at this thing. Oh. So oh, that's I'm a sorry, it was thing. two sentences and we just did ten minutes. That's the, the way it always is because they're because in these synopses, they're smart enough to be like this doesn't matter, move on past it. Mm-hmm. We're diving into those because I I need to just rail on how bad they are. Yeah. Like on some of these scenes because yeah. uh, they're just so full of just garbage. Yeah. Some of them. Um, so we're back at the Double R Diner. Um, Ed is talking to Doc Hayward about Nadine's wish to start dating boys. Who oh boy. And then mm-hmm. Hayward says something about it's her adrenaline? Yeah, she's her adrenaline levels are off the charts, and that's where her super strength is coming from. I think which I appreciate is, that they try to explain they, it a little they bit. They try that out the gate. That, that oh, happened. Has that always been yeah, what it was? Yeah. Okay. But the problem is there's no consistency with, is the super strength that you can bend hollowed out metal bars on a rowing machine which happened before she went into the coma so 
Unclear. Unclear. Or a super strength that you can pick up a two, like 160 pound man mm-hmm. and throw him 30 yards. Where where does um, that land? You know what I'm And it is inconsistent. Of? What were we just watching that somebody was scaled down? Oh god damn it! What were we just? You had to tell me what we were watching though. Cats. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so. So Mikey and I watched Cats on Friday night because the podcast How Did This Get Made did a live like um, uh, internet episode of it. And yes, I will take more wine. Um, it's no big deal. Some rosé from Southern Illinois that we picked up on our little trip a couple weeks ago. Anyway, um, so so anyway, the, the cats are supposed to be the size of house cats, question mark. But the scale is bananas crazy and changes from I was gonna say from scene to scene from shot to shot yeah. um it's it's brutal it's so brutal. Anyway, it's, it's the same and we like even in like the Lord of the Rings which are really great about you know Lord of the Rings is tough because they tr- it, it it's inconsistent because they tried to do some of it with Force perspective and some so of it, it doubles. Some of it yeah, so so those things make for it to be inconsistent. But at least they were trying unique ways of doing yeah. it. This is just it. The entire movie is animated. Yeah, with some like they use the deep fake app to put faces on yep, people. Correct. Basically, it's I, so the fact it's so easy to keep this consistent uh-huh. because it's all animated. You can draw whatever size you need to. Mm-hmm. Mikey did wait. I didn't get your final judgment. Did you or did you? Not I did not. Li- I did not like it. And so you will not watch the nineteen ninety nine version with me. <gasps> no, no. Oh, I I don't want to. I I'm not into it. <laughs> I don't but, want to. <laughs> but I. I'm glad you the, the, not to admit that my force of personality right. means you can't say I will not. I, watch it. I will say the the movie the cats movie the one from last year or whatever. Is really, really, really bad. But for me, it wasn't like everyone made it sound like it just kept getting worse and worse. And to me, it was like in the first sequence, it reached peak terrible uh-huh. and then just stayed there. And then it just became boring mm-hmm. because nothing, all the songs sounded the same, everything. We can't. It- I mean, you said that when we were watching it. In this version, they all sounded yes, the same. but Andrew Lloyd, it's not Andrew Lloyd Webber's fault. I didn't say it was. Did I say it? I just, I'm, I'm just really saying. protective of him because he's not really well known, and I think he needs oh, the support right. of random 35 I That's always one of my favorite trivia questions, if I ever, like, make trivia for things, is um, who's the the wealthiest living musician? And it's Weber Andrew Lloyd Webber, but yeah. it's Andrew Lloyd Webber, Webber by like a landslide. Yeah. Um, but it's a good question because no one ever thinks of him. Mm-hmm. Everyone always guesses like it's like I want to bet with or Michael. of all time, it's not necessarily, but people always guess like yeah. Michael Jackson or somebody like that. I want to bet with my cousin because they're trying to uh, name the most covered artists, and I was like Carol King, and he's like, oh yeah, well, no, no, really. is she covered? Though, like, I know she, Carol King writes for other people a lot. Yeah. Are those considered covers? I don't know. I don't remember. Because if she was... never recorded it herself, I don't think that's a cover. Yeah, this was like 15 years ago, and I think that, yeah, I don't remember. He conceded, like, it doesn't matter. Not interesting in board. Which was it? My cousin Jason. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. Uh, okay, so um, Hayward suggests to Ed 
to give her a curfew, which is, I, I think another weird thing, I, I don't hate the Nadine sub, I was gonna say sub-thread, that's not it, subplot as much as I, uh, as much as I usually do. Because it's, it hap- well, two things. A, so far it's mostly just talked about. Mm. You don't see it all that much. And so yeah. far when you've seen it, it hasn't been that bad. It's about, they're gonna ratchet oh, it yeah? up. Oh yeah, okay. They ratchet okay. it up and it gets worse. Um, it's when you start seeing her and Mike and, yeah, um, I guess the, the I don't thing know, that not. confuses me though is, does she consider Ed her boyfriend or her father? I don't. I think it's in. It's not descriptive. It's just he's the person in charge of where I'm living. Okay. I don't think they because she acknowledges that they're playing house together. Right. So she seems to think he's her age. Right. But then she talks about how she wants to date that Mike guy. So he becomes her father figure. Mike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that fa- her father figure. Yeah, it's not clear. Okay. I mean, it's it's there's holes galore. But it's also when somebody is making up a false narrative, oh, sure. I, think, I think there are holes. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like, oh, he's, yeah, he's just Ed. He's, Deco, well, let's talk about this now. Like, yeah. you, just, you don't, you're so tunnel vision on this one right. thing. Right. mentally that you aren't justifying these things. And I think once you start being able to plug those things in together, you're not living in this delusion anymore. Sure. That makes sense, actually. Um, so Norma brings over uh, Ed and Doc Hayward's food. She brings Ed an extra serving of potatoes. With the sweetest smile. The biggest, sweetest smile. Because Hank is gone again. Yeah. Which... And so she's like, hey, can we? Can we? we? Meanwhile, he's talking about how, like, oh, my wife is insane and thinks she's in high school and Mm -hmm. is trying to date a high school boy and I have to give her a curfew? (laughs) I don't know what to do here. And it's just, that's this, this is such a beautiful, tough, bittersweet story of their timing just being Mm -hmm. so brutal. Um. The doctor, uh, Doc Hayward, asks why Donna took her car to took the car to see James, and Ed explains she was taking him money. Oh, is that why she went to find him? I, I thought mean, she was just seeking him out. I didn't probably realize. all of it. She's just worried about it. That yeah, was in his, <laughs> in his account. <clears throat> she probably had to spend more than that on gas. Um, so Doc takes off, um, and he leaves Norma, uh, who tells Ed that Hank was in the hospital after having a tree fall on him. <laughs> And Ed clarifies that this tree was actually Nadine beating him up, beating him up. and then the two discuss their plans for I, finally being together. Here's the beautiful moment about that scene too: is yay, they're talking about the two of them being together, and when Norma asks him what happened, Big Ed says he attacked me. I don't know what would have happened if Nadine wasn't there, and there's no like big tough guy uh-huh. image of like well I was fighting him and I yeah. probably could have had him but yeah. she ended up to there's no like he's like yeah she saved my ass mm-hmm. and no you know put all toxic masculinity aside like none of that matters that like oh a woman saved me yeah like this Literally tiny little woman or whatever yeah. like he isn't he's not embarrassed by that <sighs> he's he's genuinely like that's the best sad for her because she's in this like denigrated mental state like 
it's just such a sweet moment that Ed is so easy to just be like, no, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that she was there because otherwise, who knows what happened to me? Ed is and it's and Ed's got six inches on Hank and probably like he's, he's so a, much bigger he's than a strapping Hank. boy. But I mean, Hank has those bad roundhouse kicks that he could do. Oh, I forgot and, about the roundhouse kick. But only if he's in his pajamas, maybe. Too so bad. yeah, they're his magic karate pajamas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, when I was a kid, that's what, that was my karate uniform. It was just my karate pajamas. pajamas. <laughs> they were straight up like like a gi, but it was just, they were pajamas. Onto, <laughs> yeah, printed out of my pajamas. Like a, like a tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> Basically, it was, like, it was like pajama pants and a short robe. <laughs> That's basically what it was, but it was all white, so it was, it was karate. It was karate. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, Ed is wholesome masculinity personified. Okay, Evelyn goes to James' room to find that he's been packing, and she attempts to make him stay. Does she tell him she loves him here? Who cares? Um, Cooper observes a chessboard explaining to Harry that he and Wyndham played chess every day for three years, and Earl won every game. Cooper then explains his affair with Caroline, who he reveals... With a sweet black and white overlay of Caroline. Of Caroline, um, who he reveals died in his arms after he... What happened? They were attacked? And he was, like, off his guard? Yeah, because he was in love with her he's in love with her so he regains consciousness from this attack she's dead in his arms having been stabbed and then turns out she's Wyndham Earl's wife right bum, bum, and Wyndham Earl blames blames Cooper, Cooper. and right. Cooper blames himself sure yeah so that's I think that makes this a really interesting dynamic because it's not so much like a fugitive-esque thing of like or like a I didn't of, kill my wife yeah I was like I, I was about to neatly transfer from it's not provasic. <laughs> is that? Yeah. No, it's about to transition to Les Mis because I knew the characters' names in Les Mis. It's not like a Javert is chasing. Yeah, chasing. I'm trying, I mean, I tried to think of the fugitive is a more direct correlation. Okay, but I don't know any of those guys' names. So Some of their names are the same names as they are in Twin Peaks, like Philip Gerard, and there's a one-armed man, and. Oh. Those are all fugitive characters. That's a fugitive character, Philip Gerard and the One-Armed Man. Oh, so it's not even me drawing the connection? They showed me a connection and I'm just now seeing it? I mean, this is tangential. Like, you don't really see the One-Armed Man almost. I don't know if you see him at all for the rest of this series. So the One-Armed Man's human host is Philip Gerard. And Philip Gerard is not the One-Armed Man, I don't think. But Philip Gerard is a character name from... The Fugitive. The Fugitive. The TV show, not the movie. Yes. Okay. Well, both, I think, but... But anyway, so <laughs> all that's... Yeah, it doesn't matter. All that's to say is that it, it's not like a, um, you know, a Javert, Jean Valjean thing of, like, a guy is chasing him, bent on vengeance, and he's like, no, I'm innocent, I didn't do it. This is like, he's chasing him, bent on vengeance, and Cooper's like, yeah, yeah, I fucked up. Like, I don't think you but should I'll, kill me about it. But, but also, like... This the loss of Wyndham's wife uh-huh. spiraled, and they get into that a little bit more later. Is what spiraled him into utter insanity. Mm-hmm. So he became he, and I. It's it's a shame because Wyndham Earl's character could be incredible. Mm-hmm. He could be one of the best 
TV villains ever, but there was no coherency as to what his character was. Right. So each reveal, each episode, he's kind of a different Winder Merle. Yeah. Um, in a way that is... They didn't have, like, a show Bible. Yeah. Like, this introduction of him at the end of this episode, where he's really calm, and he's still wearing his suit, but it looks like he's been wearing that suit for yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Like, it's gross, and it's disgusting, and he's but he's just manic, but yeah. calm. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying. And, like, they talk about how smart he is. He right. never loses at chess. Like, he's just a brilliant mind, and somebody that smart and that hellbent on something mm-hmm. is terrifying and instead they make him like goofy and weird I don't and like a lot about this yeah and you'll see that and we'll get into it i guess in future episodes but it's it's tough mm-hmm. because i think he could be an incredible villain right um okay donna <laughs> donna arrives at wally's hideout orders a coffee Evelyn sits nearby for reasons, and here's Donna ask the bartender about James. Evelyn- like, I, at least they go through the bartender. Yeah. Like, she asks, hey, have you seen this guy come through here? And the guy, like, does a, she has, like, yeah. glance over to her to, like, oh, you two talk to each other. Like, yeah. it isn't just, like, she walked in and is like, oh, I wish I knew where my friend James was. <laughs> Just like a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. they at least made that work in a semi-realistic well, way. What's unrealistic is that Evelyn is there in the first place. Yeah, but at least it's a place that like we've established that she sure. goes to. It's not just sure. some random bar that she walks in and Evelyn right. happens to be there. Like that gives yeah. some legitimacy. And there's probably not that many bars in that town. Right. And she knew which direction James was headed. This is the bar in that town. James probably went there because right. he's a 17-year-old kid. And the 17-year-old kids go to bars. Mm-hmm. Apparently. I know I did. <laughs> did not. <laughs> Evelyn, uh, Evelyn explains, to, explains the work that James did for her, but tells Donna that he left the previous day for Mexico. That's a lie. <gasps> I know. Plot thickens. Intrigue. Uh, ben. Choice. Like we're supposed to at this point be like, wait, why would she say that? Why would she lie? Because. Uh, but we're not. Why? Because we don't care. Well, because we don't technically know yet that she's setting James up for the murder of her husband. But we know she's shifty. Um, ben toys with his miniature Civil War reenactment with Dr. Jacoby. As Jerry arrives to see his brother's current state for the first time. I, I'm glad Jerry's and, back. And, yeah, I like I like that Jerry's back. And I love the way when he's coming in, Audrey in her concierge role uh-huh. is in, in like a concierge, a concierge approach of like, oh, when you would walk in and be like, oh, this is your room. You've got a phone over here. If you need room service, you can call. There's a menu right here. She's explaining what's like the way a concierge would explain those kinds of things. She's explaining to him like, oh, well, he's moving in on Washington now. And there's the soldiers are pinned up against the thing. But I think if he wins this, ba-, like she's explained to him exactly what's happening in such a matter of fact way. And I find it really endearing. It's a very good line. Right? Yeah. It's it, really it's, good work by her. Right. Um, and, 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 then J- and Jerry's like, okay, okay, uh, all right, uh, I get it. I'm, I'm glad you called me back. Like, <laughs> You're right. I'm an expert about this part of the oh, yeah, oh, yeah, so. oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Jacob- <laughs> and then Jacoby's like perched up on like it's like a tennis referee. Yeah, chair. it looks like a re- yeah. I mean, it's it's or like a life. It's chair. the same structure that I think uh, Ben built, where he wanted to mess with the feng shui of the place and had like a chair at the top of a thing. Oh, I don't remember that. And he was trying to tell Bobby to go up there and stuff. It's I think that's where he's sitting. But he's just he's basically yeah he's just like perched up like a bird's eye view, just like monitoring the situation. <laughs> And it's very much like, if you walk in this room, this is the reality we're all living in. Yep. Like, we're not going to try yeah. to talk him out of this. Yeah, no, just play along. We're just going to... Play along, and as soon as the South wins, he'll be fine. Yeah, I just Jacoby is just, like, taking notes, and he's like, <laughs> He well, needs our support, yeah. and he needs the South to win. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just, like, I feel like Dr. Jacoby in the back of his brain is like, there is a book deal here and I'm going to write everything sure, down sure. <laughs> um, Jacoby explains that Ben must reach a victory for the confederacy to return to a normal state Ben raises, ben raises a flag and begins singing Dixie with Jacoby it's because it's a confederate flag uh-huh. which oh Ooh. But that, that shot is a, t- a collar tug. Yeah. I hope people understood that. It's a great shot where he like turns on the fan and you're like, why is he turning on a fan? And then he reaches off screen, grabs his big flag and just holds it so it can wave and flutter behind him. And it's a great shot. And I love that moment. It's just so like it just but it's also like, like it's so good. The fan yeah. is such a good touch because it's not just like. I, like, I feel like if I was right now, I would have done, he starts doing the speech and Audrey, whoever runs over and turns on the fan Sh- for him. Something. Like, or, just, or he just, it's just blowing and then you pull out and see that there's a fan yeah. there or something. But yeah. it's just such a genius thing to, to have kind of a hint of like, he knows this isn't real. Right, right. But like, this is what we're doing now, I guess. Yeah, it's... It's very good. Um, so... And maybe these scenes, the Civil War stuff just seems so good because comparison. it's in comparison to some awful stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I would like this stuff if it was, and, like, in the first season. And, yeah, and and the problem, too, is that, like, the White Lodge stuff and all this stuff with Major Briggs and all this, like, new stuff that they're building is great, mm-hmm. but it's all exposition. It's so much exposition. So it's really easy to just gloss over that stuff. Right. The Wyndham Merle, I get, and whatever. This is cool. He's a new. You're building a new villain. He's cool. A big bad, yeah. I, the, it's really. That's why I think you were like where you were saying you never really put any emphasis on Major Briggs in previous viewings. Yeah, is because it's so easy to just miss this stuff yeah. because it's all within dialogue. Right. You don't see him in outer space or whatever, like traveling to other dimensions outer or anything, space. anything weird. You don't see any of that. Was that a uh, Inside Lewin Davis reference? Uh-huh. All right. Deep Did it cut. land? It, it, I got it. Classic Adam Driver. Never Outer even seen... Space. Never even seen that movie. I've just Outer seen that clip many space. times. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Major Briggs stumbles into the sheriff's station. Um, he has to see the sheriff, and he collapses. He's given water. He meets with uh, Truman and Cooper. Confines in them that he did not believe mean, the Air Force meanwhile, search. everyone is drinking like giant glasses of water and like what in was... support where they poured him and he's like, I'm good. Like Cooper's like, yeah. It's so, because somebody comes in with a pitcher yeah. of water like, more? More water? Can yeah. I get you more it's water, so, please? So quirky. I'm going to drop it. that in here. 
more? I'm fine. Fine, Lucy. Fine. Okay, so they're all hydrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Important. <laughs> um, he confides in them that he did not believe the Air Force's search for the white job was pure. And he believes that he had been there at the White Lodge during his disappearance. So when he disappeared, right. that's where he believes he went now. Right. Um, after predicting a, quote, great trouble, he leaves and said that he would be in the shadows. In, and he left. In the best way possible, where he's like, well, we're, we're, what, what kind of great evil? Well, I don't know. I don't know what kind. Like it was so like, what? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. It's your job to yeah. figure out. And then, but then I, I like, what a great, weird, cryptic way to be like. All right, I got to run. Of being like, if you need me, I'll be in the shadows. It's so like that was very. What? And good. then and then and then it was like, ooh, that was kind of weird. And then he leaves, and then they're like, I'll in be the in the shadows. shadows? All right, dude. Like, 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 like on it, it. that's what I love about it. And those are the things in Twin Peaks that work. Mm-hmm. You can have these elevated moments and then every once in a while you do it and you're like, and they're like, all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was like, weird. He sees shit like the owls are not what they seem and he's like, oh, what does it mean? What does it mean? And this is like shadows. The I'll fuck be in the shadows? Yeah. <laughs> Cuckoo. So um, and then, okay, Andy, it's Andy then and I read and then. <sighs> Andy then comes to retrieve the other boys to show them Lana so the Jacoby could explain her sexual, explain her high sexual drive is not a curse. Here's an here's another moment too where like, I th- there's like three music cues in it. Like this episode, like it's this whole stretch starting a few episodes ago and going into the probably the last three or four. It's these guest directors who come in and were and are. Okay, what's Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks is the music. Yeah. Let's use this music. And it's just boom, 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 music cue, music cue, music cue, music cue. Mm-hmm. And it's just overwhelming. Mm. And it takes away from things. And this is another sequence where it's just music cue is front and center. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's obvious because I don't care about what they're saying. Right. I don't care about what's happening in this scene. Mm-hmm. And it makes me just like hate everything. And yeah. it's well, and it's it's it goes from like quirky fun to just like being gross and pervy. Yeah. Um, because especially, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much weight on it, but like Jacoby is like, yeah, she's super sexual. Anyway, we're getting out of here together. And then like they Ew, keep they keep her? doing this like weird shot of her like ankles or like her like oh, her shins down, and she's wearing like those super 90s like stirrup pants it's not even like oh, oh you're yeah. seeing her like nylon legs yeah. which is all sexy it's just like her stirrup pants yeah like some oh flats. she's not wearing shoes <laughs> i don't like it's it's all so odd it's, but not fun endearing odd it's just yeah. off-putting it's yeah um so they're about to leave to go fuck ostensibly they say they're going bowling but i think everybody knows that bowling is a Pseudonym, not pseudonym. What's the word? Euphemism. A euphemism for fucking. Oh. Uh, they're ambushed. I love by... bowling, though. <laughs> they're. <laughs> I like bowling. They're ambushed by Mayor Dwayne Milford, who is still seeking to avenge his brother because he thinks she. She killed her with sex. Oh, she's a witch. Oh. Which is our second time ma, back to ma, Body of Evidence. Ma. See? I, honestly, maybe that's why this got pulled back in. 
he's like, you know what's awesome? Younger woman killing and body older of evidence dudes was, by or, them. Or he got written this scene and was like, I want to do body of evidence, which is like two, what three years later. What if this was a whole movie? Yeah. <laughs> what if I picked the worst it? sequence of this episode of Twin Peaks I did? Because this is what Americans love, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and then I make a movie yep. with Madonna. Yep. Yep. That's yep. probably yep. what yep. happened. Yeah. Nailed it. Got Thanks, it. Thanks, Uli. Um... So the mayor, Dwayne Milford, is avenging his brother. Cooper has Milford and Lana talk alone in the conference room. Hang on. So they're walking out, and then you hear Lana scream. So they all draw their guns and come out and realize the mayor's there with the rifle pointed at her. Mm -hmm. Which I would think would be an impeachable offense, but what the fuck do I know? Yeah. (laughs) This is the mayor. A lot of things. And while they're saying... uh, Cooper does like, or Truman does like a slow like. I'm gonna, I'm holstering my uh-huh. weapon as to like try to defuse the situation, which uh-huh. is a smart what technique. Cops are supposed to you do. Know? Yeah, I mean deputies are behind him, still yeah. holding weapons as backup, but like try to defuse the situation. And then Cooper's like, I have an idea. Jacoby's got his arms around Lana to like shield her, her from whatever. What if we took her out of Jacoby's arms? And put her alone in the conference room with the gunman mm-hmm. with the gun. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably our best move. Well, we need a peaceful resolution. I don't know how we it's do that. It's so... Dumb. Like, the dumbest police decision I've ever seen is like, oh, you, we're all here protecting her. Yeah. You've got a gun on her. Like, we should probably put you two... You're the trustworthy one. Yeah, we should put you two alone in a room together. Yeah. Well, what the fuck is that? So they wait outside for... They put him in this room, wait outside for him, go back, and she's sitting on his lap and smooching his face with... She's got... It's too, it, it honestly felt like something out of, like, a fucking monkeys episode. Of, <sighs> like... Sorry, I was vomiting. Oh, okay. Sorry, about the monkeys? I didn't realize you hated them I that hate much. the monkeys. The prefab four... <laughs> Anyway. No, I, it's just... It's, it's so a, stupid and yeah. it's icky. Um, and he announces that he and Lana are I'm adopting... I'm adopt a baby. <laughs> That's what he always says. You guys, that wasn't me dropping a clip in. That was just... <laughs> 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 I've often said that Michael, Mikey is the Michael Winslow of our marriage. <laughs> um, Catherine Martell shows Pete... Um, she opens the door. Who cares? The door also, is this open. Is a weird Andrew Packard is there. Transition that I noticed into this is the first time we go back to the Blue Pine Lodge, which is where they live. Mm-hmm. And it's this like creepy, weird low angle of a totem pole. And then you see the head of the totem pole. And then this other totem outside. And then it's just like we go in, like as though like this is the establishing where we're at. Right. And then we go inside and it's just. Pete checking off a grocery list. We forgot hot dogs. Forgot hot dogs. And it's the why did you, with the beef and the why, skin on. Why did you show this like ominous, creepy, weird totem pole thing that will, and then be like, ah, oh, it's just. I mean, Pete I inside. think that's somebody misinterpreting what we like about Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's that's exactly just, it. It's not just two like incongruous images smushed together. That's not why we yeah. like Twin Peaks. There has to be some nuance to the thing. It's yeah, it's it's so strange. Um and jarring. It it doesn't even match within this episode. Yeah. There's some there's some great transitional like devices that this director uses in previous scenes that are there's the 
um, when the scenes early when they're they're with the uh, chess piece in the guy's mouth where like it opens with like like the big old timey flash bulbs yeah. and ends with the same poof, yeah. old timey flash bulb. Like those are like there's some clever in and outs and transitional elements mm-hmm. to scenes. And then this one is just so off putting. Yeah. It's it's jarring. It's, yeah. And not in an not in an effective and, like yeah, it's, it, Oh, way. it's supposed to. Yeah. Because this is like are they are they trying to set up the oh, this is jarring for Pete because Andrew's gonna be here? No. Maybe. But that's so far down the road. I feel like there's a conversation that happens between Catherine and Pete for a little while before you revealed that in a way that it doesn't make sense to have a jarring thing before that. I don't know. According to TwinPeaks.Fandom.com, this is the sentence they wrote for me. Catherine Martell shows Pete to the still-living Andrew Packer, which surprises him. End of sentence. I mean, it... That's the scene. did. Um, they, they being Catherine and... Ew, can we talk about how Catherine and um, Andrew interact... I feel like people who write shows like this do not themselves have a, have a sibling. <laughs> yeah. Because she walks up to him and, like, runs her hand down his cheek. And I'm like, girlfriend, that is your brother. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, I literally forgot. Like, I forgot the connection between everybody. I, yeah, I have. she said, my brother did this. And I was like, oh, no. You have a great relationship with your brother. I have a great relationship with my siblings. The stuff I see in TV... It's so is, uncomfortable. like, so squirmy to me. Like, how close brothers and sisters, like... You know like, or, like, they do... Like, they'll be like, oh, and they're in a... Like, oh, we're sharing a hotel room, and then they're just like, oh, changing in front of each other. Or weird things, oh, it's fine, it's my brother. And you're like, no, that's fucking weird, man. Yeah, and, like, I don't... Yeah, I... I think that kind of shit is... I think the great... You know what's the greatest know. offender of that? Is Friends. Just once in a while, you'll see Ross and Monica like snuggling in a chair together. Like, I forgot guys, siblings. you're in your thirties yeah, and you're it's... related, and they even have a subplot later on about how a guy is too close to his sister, and it's just like, do you, did you not? Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, don't not, like it. Not don't great. like it. Not good. Not great. Love you, siblings, but I don't They're like that. Not listening to this, I could not be more clear. Um, One of them was on here, so she she's probably listen. my pretty big fan. Oh, that fell off at some point. It's somewhere. Uh, Okay. So, Catherine and Andrew explain to Pete that they have... What the fuck? (laughs) Catherine and Andrew tell Pete that they predicted an attempt on Andrew's life by Thomas Eckert. Yes. And so Andrew preemptively faked his own death, right? Yeah. Um, feeling that Pete did oh, which <laughs> Pete didn't need to know, which I love. Like it's so fucking condescending. Also, in in a way that Pete's like, I don't. That's fine. I don't want to know. <laughs> like I want to go fishing. Leave me alone. It is like both astounded by everything and unfaced by everything <laughs> it's great I try like that's where I His live that's my whole correct. life he doesn't react correctly to anything I want to be Pete so bad of just like you have I, never been fishing before but like I want to like fishing is watching coffee. movies or whatever like it's I just want to do what I want to do 
whatever's fine. <laughs> like, it's true that I do have I like don't a care. Whole, like Mike and I have a good marriage and we get along, and I also have a whole side life that he's just not involved in because yeah. I need to you know talk to people. And yeah, and I don't want to do that. No, you do not. But you're talking to literally tens of people right now, Michael. Yeah. I, I can't see them, and they don't react to me, so. <laughs> um, okay. Miss Jones rings for Randy St. Croix at the Great Northern <laughs> Hotel to check in Eckert. What translation, did I just read? Strand translation. Two otherwise nameless characters are introduced. Um, is this one where this the is black guy again? Thomas Eckert checks into the hotel because they said in the pre in that scene with Pete and them that like their expectation is that Thomas Eckert is going to come back for Josie and this is when they're going to extract their revenge on Thomas for attempting to kill Andrew can I ask a dumb question what who's Thomas Eckert Thomas Eckert was um hang on <laughs> here we go this is we're going back to the mill shit so Andrew oh, I, should we just glaze over it Thomas was um, her. Wait. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it all. Uh, I'm just going to click on the, the hyperlink of his name. Okay. So Thomas Eckert is her, is Andrew's former business partner. And Josie's employer. And Josie's employer? I thought Josie owned the mill. Thomas was using Josie okay. to push this whole plan out to try to kill Andrew. Andrew and Catherine figured that out. Uh-huh. That's why they faked Andrew's death uh-huh. so that then Thomas would come back for Josie and then they could get back at Thomas for planning to kill Andrew. Cool. Got it in one. It's so simple. I don't understand <laughs> why you don't get it. Um, and you wonder why Pete wants to stay out of things. <laughs> like, honestly, like, this is the most... You think Pete just can't follow it? <laughs> I, I, yes. And, like, probably started to at some point and was just like, fuck it, man. None of this matters. I'm going to go fishing. fishing. <laughs> I don't care. This is ridiculous. I've got percolators you guys are fishing. Yeah, you guys are all... What? And none of... Does this affect... None of this affects me. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Can, can I, I fish? It, yeah. Can I get extra mayo on my sandwich? Like, Oh, boy. Okay. Hayward forces a meeting with Andy, Dick, and Lucy to just... Dis- Dick? <laughs> Hayward forces a meeting with Andy, comma, Dick, comma, and Lucy. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I believe in the Oxford comma. I'm very brave. Um, he explains to them that, he w- that Nikki was conceived... By an assault on his immigrant mother who died in childbirth and that the orphan Nikki went on to lose his loving foster parents in a car accident. This Do story... you want to use this whole monologue from Doc, uh, Born Frost from uh, Doc Hayward? Wait, say again? Oh. This is like all... Oh, d- drop this, it in? Yeah, this whole... I don't think we're going to do that. I, okay. I think our listeners' time is too valuable. <laughs> okay. Maybe... I don't know. I don't remember how long it is. We'll see. And if I do put it in, I'm going to put it here... And if nothing is there, that means hey! I've gotten, gotten to editing and listened to it and thought it was boring and stupid. Um, 
So the story moves Andy and Dick to tears, and that is the end of the Little Nicky franchise. So there's this is a great little moment where the entire time Lucy is standing there with a fly swatter, and then the fly lands on a piece of paper, and Lucy swats it, and it's like not only the end of the Little Nicky storyline, but like a dramatic end. Like I feel like with the swat of that fly, the Little Nicky storyline is dead. And there's so much blood that comes out of that tiny little fly. <laughs> Which, I think mosquitoes are the only thing that if you smush them, they have blood. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't even think there is. But it, like, she's maybe it isn't a fly. Whatever it is, she swats it, and like as though it almost feels like they had gotten feedback at this point that like, what the fuck is going Kill on the here? Mickey story. And so they did it legitimate, like as dramatically as possible. Like, mm-hmm. not only is this ending, we're putting a solid endpoint right. like punctuation on this right. whole storyline. Uh, cool. So that's done. No more little Nikki talk. As James prepares to leave, Evelyn comes to beg for him to stay, though James believes it is wrong. Did we pass over the newspaper headline? I think we must have. Okay, let's go back to where that, that was. They were reading... That would have been with the Catherine Peaton... Uh, Andrew conversation. No, because right? it's they're looking at it. It's they're looking at it in the. I thought it was the top of that little Nikki scene. Oh, it might have been. And they were looking at who oh boy the thing that came in, and they were reading the headline <laughs> in the newspaper that apparently they that particular newspaper, I believe, the Twin Peaks Gazette, probably mm-hmm. f- <laughs> feels like. Asian man killed exclamation exclamation is a suitable headline for a story I <laughs> in a way that's just baffling and then it's a picture of who we know as Jonathan right Asian man killed Asian man killed to what the fuck could you imagine that like any other race religion creed like Oh my god, terrible. I feel it's like so baffling. I feel like if Johannes Gutenberg, who invented the printing press in the 13th century, saw it's, that it's headline. Steve Gutenberg. Saw that headline, he would regret <laughs> ever inventing the printing press. Uh the two I, I mean people are, were pretty fucking racist back then. The two exclamation points though. Yeah. Sure, sure. It's rough stuff. That's fair. That's, That's fair. rough stuff. Even even then, they knew like, better. You, since when do you put punctuation on headlines at all? Unless it's a question. Um, you, it's pretty much just the words, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, traditionally, they're not. Unless well, you're specifically the, asking a question or emphatically. Like, I know when the Cubs won the World Series, it's a, at last with, yeah. a, with an X. Ex- and even even 108-year drought of not winning a title, the Cubs finally win, and that gets one exclamation mark. Not two. This random Asian man gets killed, and that gets two. They what the fuck, man? They don't have a lot man? of Asian people in the Pacific Northwest, Michael. I don't know if that's even true. Um, I. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It's just also bad well the problem like from a grammatical standpoint the main problem there besides the racism <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say the, my problem isn't so much the grammar as the blatant racism 
Let's set the racism aside. We all have acknowledged the racism. The racism is going to go sit in the corner for a minute. <laughs> Generally, you don't use punctuation at the end of, end of a phrase. You use punctuation at the end of a sentence. Sure. Right. And so grammatically, it fails. Journalistically, it fails. <laughs> racially, it fails. It's just not like... What listen. about plot-wise? <laughs> I'm just... And then a picture of the guy. What did they do? I just, honestly, it's a lot. It's a like, whole lot. Like, un- unidentified man killed and then show a picture of Jonathan. We're, so we know what it, like, why do you have to call him Asian man? Two exclamation points, bro. Oh, it's so bad. Okay, so we're back to the James and Evelyn. Well, yeah, I, and I, th- I think with the James and Evelyn, I think this was in the last scene, too, that I found really weird. Is that there's some type of like sports game on the radio, and it's way too loud. I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. There was like some sports match, and I couldn't identify what it was, but it was like really loud in the forefront, so I couldn't really hear what they were even saying to each other. Oh, really? It I was just, super odd. I mean, I don't know if that's this scene or in the prior scene, but so stupid. Those scenes suck. Uh, as James James prepares to leave, Evelyn comes to beg for him to stay, though James believes it's wrong. She tells him she loves him. Then law enforcement show up at the home. Evelyn said, uh, "Evelyn saying that Jeffrey died in an accident." James realizes he's being framed for his murder, which Evelyn was planning on by was plan, which Evelyn was planned by Malcolm. James escapes the home and finds Donna. Um, <laughs> so there's like six squad cars outside. Mm-hmm. The lights are going, and it's a cool looking effect. And Donna's just like ten feet from the house behind a tree, like. I'll wait for James like here. Like in this little like tree stand, just like perfect. And James comes walk. Is, and James is, comes walking out and is like, "Oh, hey, Donna." And they have a whole conversation like, "What the fuck, sir? Do you- you're wanted for murder." There's like a whole bunch of cops six feet away from you. Like you're close enough where they could have de- like they transmitted could, coronavirus. They could- <laughs> They can overhear your conversation yes, with Donna. About, exactly. Like, here's her twelve dollars. It's it's so bad. Uh. And also, you know what really bothered me? Um, feminist rant incoming Bring is it. that we kind of think Evelyn is sort of the brains of this operation, and she's sort of pulling the strings. And then immediately, she's like, "A man made me do it." Like. She says she it was did? yeah. She says it was planned by Malcolm and that Malcolm made her do it. Like she has no ownership. She's just been. Oh, she says that to James though. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. Mm. I think that's because she's. Why would Malcolm want to get rid of her husband? I think. I think she. You don't know who Malcolm is. I think he, this this entire that entire scene is bullshit, and she's trying to be like trying to play innocent little bunny. Her own role. Like oh, I'm uh, sorry, a what? Like a little innocent bunny. Like a. Is that an expression? Oh, yeah, for like a bunny and a wolf or a bear or whatever, something attacking a... Okay, go ahead. I don't know. It's just not an expression. <laughs> like a lamb is something people say is or innocent. I, like I, I'm going back to like uh, like swingers and shit where they talk about the bear and the bunny and that whole thing. Stop looking at me like that. I just... Anyway, I'm like she's she's swinger. She's the wildest. She's thing playing coy in this way that like she's uh, downplaying her. Yeah, she's. Yeah. I think this is entirely her plan, yeah. and she's being okay. manipulative All of right. yet another man. Feminist rant redacted. <laughs> uh, Leo... <laughs> because a man told you what was right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That's not great. 
They're going to take away my feminism. Well, actually, that's not what happened. And let me explain to you. Leo walks through the woods until he stumbles upon a cabin. He goes and... I love TwinPeaks.Fandom.com because it says he walks through the woods until he stumbles upon a cabin. Upon going inside. It's like whoever wrote this just learned the word (laughs) word upon. Upon going inside, a man introduced... Maybe it's like when you were like in grade school and you would read from a chapter in a book and it would be like you read this paragraph next person reads this and then the next person reads the next paragraph which meant you weren't listening to any of the other paragraphs you were reading ahead (laughs) to see all the big words in your paragraph to make sure you knew them and didn't embarrass yourself but it's like someone finished that one he comes across upon a cabin in the woods and then the new person took over writing upon entering and they didn't realize the two were correlated my palms just started sweating thinking about popcorn reading i've never heard it called that but all popcorn i know reading isn't necessarily going up enough. it's just like you read a paragraph and then somebody just jumps in like it's just you like oh read we always did read. like you would go like desk 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 oh yeah and so you and count, okay you I'm get this paragraph back. you get this paragraph and you get this so you would count Okay, yeah. I'm seven paragraphs yeah. up. One, God, two, I hope I can say substantiate. Do I got a short try. paragraph or a long paragraph? And then you got to read it real quick and make sure there aren't any words that. Did you like reading aloud in class? Oh, God, no. I don't like reading at all. Why would I like reading aloud in class in front of people? I don't know. Some people like the attention. Oh, fuck that. No. I, like I absolutely want and all because I was a terrible reader too. Mm, yeah, like you I'm not. I've never been a good reader. That's why I don't like it. Is because it takes it's me forever. For yeah, it's really hard. I honestly, I've never. I I was in like in in school. I was in like remedial reading classes. Mm-hmm. I had been to like doctors to be like, why can't I read very well? Uh-huh. And it was always like, we don't know. Put them in this. <laughs> but that was the '80s. Yeah. So. <laughs> I could have. I'm for all I know, I'm fucking dyslexic. I don't. I don't think I am. Yeah. But it's it's labor intensive to me to read, and I don't retain things. Like if I need to retain something, I usually have to read it three or four times, mm-hmm. or I have to read it very slowly. I think you and I both have ADD, and just it presents in really different ways. Maybe, maybe. But like, guess, but if I were like- to read that, I can read through a paragraph at like a normal speed mm-hmm. to deliver it. But that also means I didn't comprehend a single fucking word in that in that entire paragraph. Yeah, it, it did take me a long time. For a long time, I would very much like read kind of by rote and then not. If I read it out loud, I didn't absorb it. Yeah. Because I was too focused on the on like yeah. getting the words correct. Um, but the good news is I was in advanced reading. So if we have children, that means they will be regular readers. <laughs> Is that, oh, that's how that works. Yeah, it's based on how it's based entirely on how public school determined your reading ability. <laughs> Got it, nailed it. Yeah, they're man. gonna be fine readers. <laughs> they recognize my genius like right off the bat. I will say, yeah. I will say, I'm reading currently Laura's Ghost by uh, Courtney yeah. Stallings. He's going through a real reading phase in his life, and I'm into it. I finished a book and I started a second. <laughs> I don't know, like you, you're reading books, you're drinking wine instead of beer. I feel like I'm finally rubbing off I'm, on you. I'm after. doing both. I That's what I just beer. said. But, but Laura's, Laura's Ghost is very, very good. And from the feminist side yeah, that you're talking I'll, I'll about, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's basically, so far, it's just a, basically a series of interviews, but with only women involved with Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So it's like, 
it's there's interviews been a, or it's essays? So far, it's interviews. There's okay. a, there was a short like essay-ish introduction by Cheryl Lee, and then like poetry as well. Um, and it was an interview with like Grace Zabriskie, who plays Sarah Palmer, mm-hmm. and then Sabrina Sutherland, who's a producer. Mm-hmm. Who we know. Um, yeah, she's a she's wonderful. Oh, she's, she's great. The she's best. very very generous with her time. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, who was the other one? There was another interview up front. So I'm not that far into it yet, but okay. it's it's cool. I would I recommend it. It's by Courtney Stallings. You can get it from Lafayette Press. Um, and it's called Laura's Ghost. And it's about it's basically diving into the trauma of um abuse in how it manifests itself in different people and how people related and connected to the Laura Palmer character because of that. It's, it's interesting. Cool. It's interesting. Um, Leo walks in the door and a man introduces himself as Wyndham Earl. In a great way. Great. He, great character introduction. Great, exactly. And that's that's why it's so disappointing that I don't think they did Wyndham Earl justice mm-hmm. going forward. It's like this whole, you see him slowly put down some type of Japanese flute mm-hmm. in this thing. Like, okay, that's an interesting character choice or quirk. And then he picks up a gun because someone's coming into the thing. And then, oh, calm down. Come on in. And like this really, I'm going to put down my gun. And of course, he puts it down on a table where you can see that there is a chessboard right there. So you're already assuming this is Wyndham Earl. Uh And then he invites him in and he introduces, he sits down and dramatically introduces himself with like heavily lit from one side under Mm -hmm. a lamp of like leans forward dramatically like. I'm the most interesting man in the world <laughs> style of I'm Wyndham Earl. And it's Leo just dumb faced the yeah. whole time of well, like, that's, what? That's his and one. also not acknowledging the fact that he's been stabbed um, well. and ran through the woods for a long time. But it's a great character introduction. Oh. And I love it. Very and good. it's a, it's. That's why I still think this episode is pretty good. It's things like that. I mean, I... There's 20% of this episode, maybe 30% is absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. 10% of it... at thirty, I'd say 30 or 40% of it is not that good. Of that 40%, 10 or 20% of it is absolute garbage. Like yeah. the Lana shit. Yeah. Even like... Even some of the... Evelyn stuff at least they're trying to like wrap it up yeah. and give it some direction mm-hmm. unlike the previous couple episodes where you're like what the fuck is even going on here for three or four episodes right um, I don't know but it's I think the problem it's still not a terrible I know the next episode coming up is one people most people say is the worst episode of Twin Peaks yes I I still think there's some good stuff in it and from my own memory, and I'd have to go back, I think it's the episode after that that I hate the most. Mm-hmm. But the next episode is pretty bad. Yeah, I think this is... The reason I'm really happy I'm doing this podcast is that a lot... I think there is something about me that that requires a little... Di- not always, but frequently requires a little dissection to enjoy it. Or... I enjoy a lot more things once I dissect them and like talk about oh, anything through. I think is yeah. But I mean I feel like some things kinda like fall apart as soon as you like have sure. any 
conversations and I think Twin Peaks for the most part most of the plots are, are good like I'll be watching it and being like this is kind of boring I didn't really enjoy this and then I walk through and I'm like oh no there are good moments mm-hmm. I like these performances I don't know there was I took a film class that we used to once or I think it was twice a month something like that we would actually like as a class go to a theater oh, watch yeah, a movie yeah. and then the and like people could still go we would buy 30 tickets or whatever 15 tickets how many people was in that class um and then we would just remain in that theater after it ended they mm-hmm. pull up the house lights and we would just talk about that movie what do you guys think mm-hmm. and everyone would just throw out their idea and it was the best way, like and we would just see i like some of the movies we saw i remember we saw the movie smoke signals like I, we saw, like I saw the movie Existence, which is a Cronenberg movie. Like there was a bunch of like we just saw like these interesting like art house movies. Um, what else did we see? There was another good one. I'm just looking up Smoke Signals because feels like it's probably bad. No, it's it was good. It was oh, really it's a great. Played by Sherman Alexie. I like Sherman Alexie. It's yeah, it was very good. From what I, I don't think I've seen it since then. Yeah. Um, Existence was weird, but it's Cronenberg. Is it Cronenberg? Cronenberg, I think. Existence? E-X- yeah, it's like exist ENZ. Exist ENZ. Oh, capital X. You didn't mention that. Capital oh, X bad. and capital Z. Um, 1999, science fiction thriller. Cronenberg? Cronenberg. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we saw I, I don't remember that is an aggressively 90s title though oh yeah um, with the Z at the end woof it's so the, but there was there was at least one other one that I remember seeing anyway anyway we would watch those were like the movies that were those so this was 1999 mm-hmm. these are the movies that came out we watched those and it was just these are the best discussions because you're not watching it with like let's watch this movie that's been out for 60 years and there's been hundreds of papers written about it mm-hmm. and your teacher's there to t- everybody's watching a movie for the first time right and then you're discussing it yeah it was so organic and it was you're not being like oh upon reflection this is why citizen kane is so good and right. we're gonna teach it to you as though it's so good yeah it was everybody's gut reaction from a movie mm-hmm. and it was awesome because i think those are frequently two different things like are you entertained the whole time and was it a compelling movie if you like put any thought and it's a bunch of people who were like interested in film Mm -hmm. discussing it and it was just i wish i like i would absolutely do that like once every couple of weeks with a group if people wanted to you know what i mean like that's it was so awesome yeah, um, Sherman Alexie wrote a few novels, and I read. I, funnily enough, you were a film major; I was a lit major, and those two don't intersect that much. But I read two Sherman Alexie books in uh, in college. Hmm. Absolutely, True Diary of a Part Time Indian and Indian Killer, which was very, very good. Hmm. Um, I've seen that book floating around here somewhere. Yes, it's up in my uh, shelf. Yeah. Indian Killers. It's a very distinctive spy. Yeah. Um, Anyway, okay, so that was that episode. Next week, um, assuming schedules line up, we have a really fun guest. So anything you want to say to wrap up, Michael? Buckle up. I think this is the last of, like, the mostly good episodes for a few episodes. Yeah. I think think this episode is... 
60-40 or 70-30 good. Uh-huh. Or at least, like, if if you were to rate every scene as being this or that, good, mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Those are your only choices. No gray area, no scale. I think you'd end up with 70-30 good. Mm-hmm. Or 60-40 most. The scale starts shifting in the next episode where you end up 30 or 40 bad. Yeah. Or 30 or 40 good and and 60 or 70 bad in the next few episodes. And and within that, the bad gets bad. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. little Nikki is done. So let's round of applause for that. Let's toast to little Nikki (laughs) out of our lives. That was a really satisfying sound. Ambient. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll probably have killed it by now, but if not, talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.